The Hamlet Podcast, episode 64. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Macbeth, with me your host, Connor Hanratty. This week we will finish Act 5, Scene 3. As the play rushes towards its conclusion, the scenes get shorter and shorter like these winter days, and we will switch locations quite often as the climax approaches. Last time, we ended right as Seaton arrived, seemingly one of the few men staying loyal to Macbeth. As if to prove this, he enters and asks, What is your gracious pleasure? This late in this play, with tempers running hot and Macbeth more and more desperate, it seems nearly ironic for Seaton to refer to him as gracious. But it's his job to do so. As will happen through much of this scene, Macbeth completes his line of verse, answering Seaton's question with one of his own, What news more? Macbeth is greedy for an update on the English army. The frightened servant mentioned previously that there were 10,000 of them, so it is understandable that Macbeth is curious to hear more. Seaton doesn't have much to contribute. He says, All is confirmed, my lord, which was reported. So, yes, it's confirmed, as reported, that there really are that many soldiers advancing. Macbeth is undeterred. I'll fight till from my bones my flesh be hacked. Give me my armour. This sounds like a return to the shocking violence we heard described at the beginning of the play. It's been a while since we heard such talk of hacking bones and slicing opponents apart. Macbeth is ready to fight to the death. He asks for his armour, but Seaton disagrees. Tis not needed yet. But Macbeth wants it. I'll put it on. Send out more horses. Scur the country round. Hang those that talk of fear. Give me mine armour. How does your patient, doctor? Macbeth is trying to manage his whole operation from the castle. He wants to put on his armour and be ready for anything, and also wants horses sent out to scur, or ride quickly, through the countryside and gather information. More grimly, for anyone that has any problem believing in Macbeth, or talks of fear, Macbeth wants them hanged. This is tyrannical behaviour. Police the land, silence dissent. A second time he says, give me mine armour. He doesn't seem terribly in control as he barks all these orders, but he does finally ask about his wife. The doctor came on at the beginning of this scene, but he's only addressed now. Macbeth simply asks, How does your patient, doctor? The last we saw of Lady Macbeth, she was sleepwalking and spilling their secrets. The doctor now gives his diagnosis. He says, Not so sick, my lord, as she is troubled with thick-coming fancies that keep her from her rest. She's not exactly sick so much as troubled and kept from her rest. As we've seen, even when she should be in bed, she's wandering the halls. The doctor says she's troubled by thick-coming fancies. Thick-coming implies that these nightmares or sleepwalks are happening quite frequently. But the word thick has appeared in several other malevolent contexts through the play. Lady Macbeth prayed that her blood be made thick to stop up the access and passage of remorse. 
In that same incantation, she called out to thick night. And indeed, the witches also use the word as they conclude their potion-making, hoping it will turn out thick and slab. These echoes, and there are others, are never accidental, and while our journey through the play is over weeks and months, during a performance, it's only a matter of minutes since we last heard these words. Again finishing someone else's line of verse, Macbeth dismisses what the doctor is trying to tell him. He just says, Cure her of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased? Pluck from the memory a rooted sorrow, raise out the written troubles of the brain, and with some sweet oblivious antidote cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart. What makes Macbeth such a poetic and interesting character is that he doesn't just say, can't you make her feel better? Instead, we get a protracted question, drawn rather beautifully over several lines. The first half-line, cure her of that, seems like a blunt instruction. But immediately Macbeth moves on to ask if the doctor can help a troubled mind, minister to a mind diseased. Can he pluck sorrows from our memory, especially ones that have taken deep root? The idea of the pensive from Harry Potter absolutely springs to mind. I wonder if this is where it came from. Can this doctor erase the written troubles of the brain? Shakespeare imagines the brain as a page where things are written. If only the doctor could raise out or erase the troublesome parts. Macbeth wonders if the doctor has some sweet antidote that might provide oblivion, forgetfulness, to remove all the dangers that weigh upon the heart. There's something of a weakness to Macbeth's line here, where he uses the word stuff twice, cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff. It just doesn't sound great. But I think there's a vulnerability to this. Macbeth is describing such miserable distress I find it moving that he runs out of poetic steam. Stuff is hardly a poetic word, but it's all he has left. Now, there's no prizes for guessing that perhaps Macbeth is as much wondering if the doctor could provide this relief from such a long list of woes for himself as much as for the lady. I think the doctor intuits this too because he answers... Therein the patient must minister to himself. It's just a tiny thing for the doctor to pick this gender. He's staying neutral, since the patient could refer to anyone. But if he meant only Lady M, surely he would have said that the patient must minister to herself. It's not the most evolved instance of pastoral care that we find in Shakespeare, Happily, nowadays, we can acknowledge that mental health and mental illness are just as much in need of care and professional support as the physical, and indeed that care is now available. Unlike the Macbeths, nowadays nobody is going to tell you to fix yourself alone. Macbeth is not impressed at the doctor's response, and he says, Throw physic to the dogs, I'll none of it. Come, put mine armour on, give me my staff. Seaton, send out. Doctor, the thanes fly from me. Come, sir, dispatch. If thou couldst, doctor, cast the water of my land, find her disease, and purge it to a sound and pristine health, 
I would applaud thee to the very echo that should applaud again. Pull it off, I say. What rhubarb, senna, or what purgative drug would scour these English hence? Here's thou of them. So Macbeth rejects medicine for starters. Throw physic, medicine, to the dogs. He will have none of it. A third time he asks for his armour. Through this little speech, Macbeth's focus moves around quite a bit as he gives orders to the various people in the room. The armour-servant is busy putting the armour on, at last. Macbeth asks another to give him his staff, a spear or lance or some such long weapon. Next he tells Seaton to send out, to get the horses on that patrol he mentioned, we assume. He turns back to the doctor to tell him that the thanes are flying from him. We heard this in the opening line of the scene, and presumably the doctor did too. But Macbeth is starting to show us that perhaps he does care a little that they're all abandoning him. He barks another order. Come, sir, dispatch. This basically means, come on, hurry up. It can be to any one of the men now doing Macbeth's bidding. Next, Macbeth seems almost to joke with the doctor. He wonders if this professional could diagnose what's wrong with Scotland instead of his wife. He would be full of praise for the doctor if he could cast the water of his land. This is a rather grotesque suggestion, that the doctor examine Scotland's urine and find out her disease. Having done so, if he could purge it and restore the country to pure health, he would applaud the doctor loudly enough that it would bounce off the walls or the mountains and echo back and applaud him some more. It's a weirdly overblown image. It almost feels like he's more concerned with Scotland and her troubled makeup than with his wife. After all the demands for his armour, now he snaps, pull it off, I say. He doesn't want it after all. Back to the doctor, he muses about what rhubarb or senna or syme or what purgative medicine might get rid of the English. Rhubarb was not eaten back then, but used only for medicinal purposes. As he fantasises about a medical solution to the English, they're back on his mind, and so Macbeth asks the doctor if he knows about this advancing horde. Hearst thou of them? Tactfully, the doctor says yes. I, my good lord, your royal preparation makes us hear something. Yes, sir, he's saying. We've all heard. You've been talking about it. Macbeth continues with his instructions. Bring it after me. I will not be afraid of death and bane till Burnham Forest come to Dunsinane. It's not expressly clear who's to bring what after him, but my money is on the armour that he put on and then took off again. The servant carrying it is going to have a busy day following after him. Macbeth makes what he thinks is the final couplet, reiterating his confidence in the prophecy. He has no reason to fear death or destruction until Burnham Wood comes to Dunsinane. Macbeth exits, but the doctor stays behind, and he gets the last word. Were I from Dunsinane away and clear, profit again should hardly draw me here. Doctors had a reputation for being greedy and fond of money. But this one is saying that if he were lucky enough to be far away from this place, no amount of it would bring him back again. We can assume that he isn't the only one who feels like this. 
but after his aside, the doctor exits, and scene four will come barrelling onto the stage. It'll be Malcolm and his troops, with a very smart idea that will spell peril for Macbeth. But you know, of course, by now that we'll save that for the next episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you next time.